Welcome to Fick Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodity strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence Fick Research Team. Welcome to FX Moments, which is part of a Fick Focus podcast series. My name is Audrey Child Freeman. I am the Chief G10 Currency Strategist for Bloomberg Intelligence. And today I am joined by Stephen Chu, who's our Asia FX and Rates Chief Strategist. So as we start the fourth quarter, the, the debates in the currency markets um, is very similar to the debates we had at the beginning of the third quarter. Uh, and, and in particular, and really the debate we've, we've been going through for the past uh, for the past few months, and certainly since uh, the start of, of the uh, Ukraine-Russia situation. Uh, and the, the main question that the market uh, is wondering is how much more upside do we have for the dollar? And, and in particular into Q4, has the dollar peaked or is the dollar about to peak? And as a result of that, should we be moving away from defensive strategies in the currency market uh, and start to contemplate exposure into higher, better uh, risk currencies that have been uh, underperforming for, for most of the year? So what are the drivers? Uh, so I, I'm afraid the drivers are unchanged from what we had and what we discussed in the third quarter. So the, the, the drivers are macro and geopolitical uncertainty and the associated market risk aversion, and that's dollar bullish. And of course, the second driver is the Fed outlook uh, and how much more tightening is in, is in the pipeline and is the Fed and how long is the Fed going to stay hawkish for. And so far, this, this combination has been certainly overwhelming uh, giving overwhelming ammunition for, for the dollar bullish view. So the key question that we ask ourselves now is what's required for the dollar to turn around and when will it happen? So circling back, uh, a revival in risk appetite is, is what we need. And so as a strategist, what we have to think and try to identify is what will drive this revival in risk appetites. And, and, and I must say that over the past few months, we've had a few episodes where it looked like the risk appetite was coming back, the dollar is selling off, and perhaps time to go back into a more or less defensive approach to the currency market. Uh, however, those periods were tended to be short-lived. So I think as we look at uh, the outlook for Q4, uh, we, we all needed to put a cap of Data, data watching, I think it's the central banks, but it's also us as strategists and market participants. And what we need to identify is when is uh, the weakness, weakening in the US data uh, starting to show and convincing enough for the market to start to adjust its expectations with regard to the Fed to start to uh, anticipate pivots and a potential pause in the Fed tightening cycle. And importantly, when do we reach that position? And when are we in a situation when, where the Fed doesn't push back against that position? Because this is really very much what happened through the summer. In the summer, the market was very much 
in the mood for starting to contemplate a pause in the tightening cycle, a pivot in the Fed policy outlook. Risk was very much on, the dollar pullback. But what happens is that we had the Jackson Hole meeting and the Fed very consistently and very clearly telling us that inflation is the key priority and that for the time being, uh, we are not moving away from the tightening cycle. And not only that, that when rates are, are, are at their peak, they are likely to stay at a high level for a long period of time. And of course, when that happened, um, when that happened, the, the dollar came back uh, and, and regains very strong momentum. Uh, so I, I think that element of the Fed not pushing back to the view that we are near a peak in rates, that's the crucial aspect because we, we can sense already that the market is desperate for, for reaching that, that time of the cycle when we talk about peaking rates uh, but we need to f the fed to to buy into this and and actually from a currency perspective I, I, i'd say um, don't fight the fed means that you can't fight the dollar strength for the time being so that's going to be uh, in my opinion the one of the key revival potentially uh, the second one is uh, an improvement in, on the geopolitical situation front that would trigger a, a risk on uh, market situation. And, and this, you know, again, this, this is a very debatable point. It's very difficult to assess. So the conclusion here is that as we approach Q4, we or, or we are into Q4 now, we, we continue to favor defensive views. However, we are not complacent. You know, the dollar is becoming increasingly expensive. It is overextended and overvalued. And the bullish view is overcrowded. Uh, however, uh, and not to mention it's up 18% uh, from its January low and uh, nearly 7% in Q3 alone. alone. However, uh, you know, just the analysis of the drivers uh, and if you're disciplined with the way you approach the markets uh, makes you feel like um, now may not be the time just yet. So very briefly, I'm going to look uh, and I'm going to uh, talk about uh, a, couple of, a couple of currency pairs one uh, on the euro, I mean, the euro, the, the outlook remains bearish, but again, it's very much deja vu. The drivers are very similar to what we've been talking about for the past five months, the geopolitical situation. The question here is, is the market or when will the market start to learn to live with the geopolitical risk premium? i.e. The, the, the euro doesn't sell off uh, anymore every time we've got um, some negative headlines coming out of the Ukraine-Russia uh, situation. That's one thing. We, with regard to the macro picture, the macro recession story for Europe uh, is unquestionable. It's negative for Europe, but again, it's priced in. Uh, and you could actually argue that uh, for the US economy, the recession is not a, a recession scenario as yet to be priced in the dollar. So uh, risk reward, we could start to kind of see the logic of contemplating, um, you know, how, how close are we to the, to the law in, in, in euro dollar. And the other, the other point I will make uh, for Europe, even though it's probably a little bit premature to talk about this, but it's still relevant, it's the fact that, you know, there could be a fiscal response to the current situation, the current 
gas uh, supply and energy predicament that Europe is facing. And if we get some kind of a coordinated um, fiscal response from Europe, in the same way we saw with the EU recovery fund in the pandemic, it should really help the euro. And we've seen that before. So just be aware on, on that element. Um, but the other point I would make before I move on to sterling is that there's also this situation uh, on, on, in Europe. There's a constant situation about, uh, about the political situation, in particular in Italy. Uh, and that's, uh, that's a, you know, you could argue that's an additional element of uncertainty that we don't really, uh, we didn't really need uh, into, into the fourth quarter. On sterling, um, the, the crisis mode, uh, uh, we've talked about sterling a lot, but the crisis mode, I would say, is over for now uh, with the Bank of England measures uh, bringing some stability. But the, the fiscal credibility issue, I think, will potentially come back to hunt sterling in, in Q4. So it, it's, it's still too early to conclude that the worst for the pound is behind us. Um, we need to see what uh, what comes up from the government and from the OBR uh, on the UK fiscal prospect for the next few weeks. And there's certainly a, a need to, to improve the situation uh, on, 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 in terms of restoring credibility in the market, because that takes a long time uh, to, to return. Uh, one last point uh, on G10 and dollar yen. I would just say that dollar yen has been actually quite sticky uh, around 144 since uh, the uh, BOJ intervention. Uh, you know, we, we've been saying that in G10, uh, uni unilateral intervention doesn't really work. Um, and I'm still very much of that view, but I, I kind of feel that uh, with signs of uh, dollar bullishness fatigue um, and, the, and given the, the, the significant move we've had for that currency pair uh, year to date, uh, there may be uh, some kind of thinking about a risk reward uh, in long yen, um, probably starting to, to become a little bit more appealing, uh, or simply the fact that, um, you know, they are, if you want to be long dollar, they are other currency that are probably more obvious uh, into Q4 than, than the, the yen, given the news flow that we've had. Um, so th this this is the broad picture for for the G10 currency space, which is very much uh, a one call. Really, it's the call you have on the dollar. Uh, but let's move on to Asia and let's see if uh, the same applies to to uh, Stephen's market. Stephen, thanks, Audrey. Um, to your to your point, it's pretty much the same. So uh, as Audrey said, this year in the FX world. Apart from the Fed, which, by the way, we still don't think is fully priced by the market just yet, another very important and vital driver will be concerns about the global recession risk, especially uh, regarding all the uncertainties surrounding China and um, how the risk sentiment plays out going forward matters a lot for EM and, of course, um, EM Asia, which is our main coverage. So um, before any clarity, we think that risk appetite may be vulnerable and uh, could be suppressed. And that, of course, will continue to favor the U.S. dollar um, against the Asian currencies. 
And um, I mean, even if the Fed decides to reverse, which we don't think so, um, given the COVID situation, it's still quite unclear here in Asia, especially China, and then we have all, all sorts of geopolitical risks uh, regarding Russia and the cross-strap situation. It's just very hard to get a full-blown risk-on situation um, sustaining these days. And um, a report, a very interesting report from the World Bank recently suggested that um, the world has a very high chance of entering a recession in 2023. Um, it's not a done deal yet, but um, it's very, very close to that. And if we get only one moderate negative shock, um, whether it's um, geopolitical or whether it's economical, but one shock would be enough to bring the whole world into global recessions. So um, that's obviously a positive for the dollar for now. And regarding monetary policy differential, it's very clear that um, even if the Fed is very close to the peak terminal rate, um, for Asia, the Asian central banks won't be able to catch up with the pace of the Fed's tightening, just because Asia also has a focus on growth. And hence, um, from um, the policy differential perspective, Asian currencies uh, may be under pressure against the dollar as well. So all in all, the recent retracement in the dollar, especially in dollar Asia space, we think it's just market um, trying to push the Fed um, to pivot and also uh, even to start thinking about cutting rates. Then you get all sorts of um, risk on trades, equities, commodities, bonds. Um, but we don't think that's sustainable. It's probably more of, more of a clean out of the dollar longs earlier instead of the reversal of the trend. So Audrey has mentioned that as well. So we remain very cautious to not chase dollar Asia lower at this moment. In fact, um, it could be an even better uh, window for all the dollar Asia bulls to enter right now. Now, um, Audrey has also talked about it, but don't forget the dollar head thick in May and July. And we believe it's more of the same case this time. Uh, just some level on the broad Asia dollar index. So Asia dollar index has reached its lowest since um, 2003 and it's below the 100 handle. So the next um, level of interest will be near 95. So quickly moving on to intra-Asia FX, if you want to avoid the dollar exposure. So in general, if the Fed's appetite dictates dollar Asia trend, then China's outlook dictates intra-Asia performance. So um, simply put, most of North Asian currencies um, have underperformed the South Asian currencies in the third quarter. And we think that's going to continue. And that's because North Asia has a larger trade exposure to China. So for instance, if you look at the BIS and near multilateral exchange rate currency basket, uh, China account for over 30% in the basket of the North Asian currencies. So namely Japan, South Korea, and also Taiwan. But uh, it only accounts for a smaller share of um, 20%-ish for the South Asian currencies. So um, if you get a weaker China, a weaker yen, then that will translate into the, the currency basket in a sense that, so the North Asian currencies may be hurt more just because of the larger exposure to the yuan. And uh, also very interestingly, when we talk about FX intervention, which is very relevant in the EM space, uh, we believe that the North Asian central banks um, may be more receptive of currency weakness against the dollar before intervening, just because of, um, of the basket could remain broadly stable if they only weaken along with the yuan. Uh, so otherwise, um, when we look at currency preferences between Asia, the, the Hong Kong dollar has been the clear outperformer throughout the year and has only dropped less than 1% against the US dollar, given the currency pack. 
and it will continue to outperform. That's our belief, at least. Apart from the Hong Kong dollar, the Indonesian rupiah has been our favorite as well this year because of um, high carry and also of the trade account surplus. And uh, that will remain as a tailwind. So we still like the rupiah. But on the contrary, as a comparison, um, we didn't really like the Korean one. And in fact, the South Korean one fell over 16% uh, in the first three quarter of the year. So one of the underperformers. And of course, the yen, which is more of uh, Audrey's base, uh, has fallen over 20% in the first three quarter. And so the won and the yen are probably the ones that carry higher intervention risk. And in fact, we saw the BOJ intervening already, as Audrey has mentioned. And the Bank of Korea has been intervening. And on top of that, um, it has been seeking an FX swap with the Fed, just in case they need a further stability going forward. Okay, that's great. Uh, just uh, one, one quick question, uh, Stephen. Uh, so specifically on, on the Chinese yuan in terms of near-term outlook risks uh, and levels, what, what's, what's your current thinking? Yeah, I'm afraid nothing has changed really. So we get a false sense of peace this week, obviously, because uh, China is off for a week's holiday. So when China comes back, after the Golden Week holiday, then I think market will continue to look at the data, look at how the macro has been doing. Uh, but we think in the near term, it's more or less the same because uh, it's still a lot of downside pressure for the economy. So uh, for the currency, for the yuan, whether it's against the dollar or against the basket of currency, it's going to continue to underperform. Now, especially don't expect China to move away from the zero COVID policy. Um, especially before the 20th party congress on the 16th of october which is like the top watch event and so that's gonna continue to impact the economy in a negative way as as we have seen uh, over time uh, more worryingly um, this really important key support for the chinese economy and the currency which is um, exports and the trade surplus um, could start to weaken even going forward um, just because as we said global central banks are hiking rates and then the global demand has started to slow. So that's going to hurt um, Chinese exports uh, in time as well. Now, of course, um, China may not just let the yuan drop forever. Uh, we have seen over the past few months, the PBOC has been using various tools to slow the yuan drop, um, like a stronger um, dollar yuan fixing, cutting the triple R for FX deposits uh, twice, in fact, and also hiking risk reverse ratio for the FX4 cells. Uh, even before the holidays, um, the authorities has been saying that um, they want banks to respect the daily fixings and not to trade away from that. So um, the fixings right before the holidays was near 7.1. And that's probably why we saw the offshore market and trading the dollar yuan closer to 7.1 and 7.2 right now. Now, however, as, as, as I've said along the way, without material improvement in China's fundamentals, or a broad dollar reversal, we think dollar China might just have to rise toward the 7.2 handle again. So, um, yeah, not yeah, good so news. More, more, more of the same. And at the end of the day, it's, you know, wherever you look at this, it's mainly a dollar-driven dollar story. So that's that's the call that we'll, we'll keep on monitoring into the fourth quarter uh, and, and look for potential change in drivers, but they don't seem to be happening just yet. Um, so this concludes our FX podcast. A any question, please reach out uh, to Stephen or to myself. Uh, just a quick reminder that uh, our research uh, can be found on the Bloomberg Terminal on BEI 
Kerr page. Um, I hope you find today's podcast interesting. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.